The Motivational Moments podcast is made possible by the generous sponsorship of Prime Information Security, online at www.primeinfosec.com, and with the support of our many subscribers. Thank you. Hello everyone, it's Linda Ockwell Jenner here with another Motivational Moments podcast. Today we have a returning guest, Melissa Day, who will continue with her story, Living with Metatastic Breast Cancer. Melissa, I always get that word wrong, but you know what I mean. So thank you for coming along. I know you've got a busy day, but um, we've had some great feedback with the podcast and our listeners want to know um, in this second episode, the some of the rest of your story. I know we can't tell it all today. Yeah, um, really excited to be back and tell the second part of my story. And um, I was actually saying to someone the other day that uh, metastatic is uh, one of those extremely hard words to say. And I think it's also one of those things that um, until it is affecting you or your family, you don't really know about it or have ever heard about it. Um, So not a problem uh, with it being a difficult word to say. I'm still (laughs) learning how to say it myself. But um, where we left off on the last podcast, um, I had been referred to the high-risk screening department at Women's College Hospital in Toronto, where uh, we decided that I would return in October of 2021 when I was done breastfeeding. Um, and we were going to keep an eye on the fibroadenomatoid, also a difficult word to say. Mm-hmm. And so Lucas was born in July of 2020. And so the doctor at the higher screening department had suggested um, that I come back in October of 2021 as I had a goal of breastfeeding for one year. And then this would give my body um, a bit of time to adjust so that everything was ready for all of the screening, uh, mammograms, ultrasound, um, all of those uh, those tests that they were planning on doing. Mm-hmm. So um, I stopped breastfeeding in August of 2021 a month after Lucas had turned one. And as I mentioned in the previous podcast, while I was pregnant um, and breastfeeding, uh, the original nipple discharge wasn't there. And so at that time in August of 2021, when I did stop breastfeeding, um, I noticed pretty quickly after um, finishing breastfeeding that the original nipple discharge had returned. And to me, this wasn't really a concern. I figured, you know, things are kind of getting back to normal and, uh, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. I already had the appointment booked for October. So, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't too concerned. Um, Then about a week later, I felt a lump and um, that was something I'd never felt before. As I mentioned, the fiber adenomatoid was so small that you couldn't feel it. Um, And for anyone who has breastfed, you know, there are so many changes to your breast. So I thought, okay, maybe I could just feel it now because, my breasts aren't as full as they were before. Mm -hmm. But at this time, I still, you know, remaining positive, I still asked to be seen sooner. So I called the doctor at Women's College Hospital and and I said, you know, there's now a lump, the discharge is back, can I be seen sooner? So um, they had uh, bumped up my appointment to uh, early September. Um, So as I was waiting, so this was still August of 2021, as I was waiting for that appointment, about a week later, um, after feeling the lump, um, I actually started started to notice that the nipple discharge was now uh, blood. 
Um, and so for, uh, for me, I know that's not a great sign. So I, um, you know, was a little bit concerned, but still positive that we could, you know, get some, some good news from it. So mm-hmm. just remaining positive. So in September, 2021, I went in and, um, had my, my screening. So, um, I believe it was a, a mammogram and an ultrasound at that time. Um, and they asked if at the same time we could do another guided ultrasound, uh, biopsy. Um, and then on October 5th, sorry, <laughs> I know, darling, it's very, very emotional. I'm sorry. Just take your time. And um, if I can just jump in there, um, October is when I was diagnosed with my first breast cancer. So for me, this is also very upsetting for what you've gone through, Melissa. Yeah, so um, uh, October 5th was when I heard um the words you have breast cancer and so I was supposed to go into um women's college hospital for that appointment but um it was still COVID was still around and I had a um a bit of a cough so it was a phone call Mm -hmm. and um was the phone call Basically, because, uh, yeah, it was because of COVID, wasn't it? They were still protecting vulnerable people and the hospitals were still really, really busy. So, um, yeah, and I was supposed to go in, but because mm -hmm. I had the cough and a bit of a cold, um, I called them to let them know. And uh, so they wanted to keep the appointment, obviously. And um, so on that call, um, the doctor from the high screen, uh, high risk screening department, um, who's one of my favorite doctors, she's amazing. Um, She had, um, you know, she told me that um, we'd really caught this as soon as possible. Um, And she mentioned that, you know, breast cancer or or cancer doesn't wait for you. Um, I'm sorry that this is very... Very, it's bringing back all the back memories, Melissa. Um, so, you know, we totally understand that um, it's difficult for you to tell your story. Um, yeah, no, it's okay. Um, um, so, yeah, so breast cancer or cancer doesn't wait for you to be done being pregnant or breastfeeding. Um, so she said that, uh, you know, we'd caught this as soon as possible. If there was going to be bleeding, it would have happened, you know, while I was breastfeeding, um, you know, and that it, it wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, they said we, you know, we caught it as early as possible. Um, we then um, decided that um, I would meet with the um, cancer surgeon um, to talk about next steps, also at Women's College, Women's College Hospital. And I had the opportunity of a um, lumpectomy with radiation or, um, you know, a single mastectomy. Um, But I went into that appointment. um, I think he he and probably a lot of the other doctors I felt um, were a little bit surprised that, you know, I went into it saying to them, can I just have the bilateral mastectomy with reconstruction? And um, I say, I I think they were a bit surprised because that wasn't at the time one of the options that 
they'd kind of brought up, but because of um, your history um, and just a little refresher for those listening, um, when you um, had your, your first diagnosis, you did have uh, a lumpectomy and radiation. Mm-hmm. And then when the breast cancer came back in uh, your other breast, um, that is when you had the bilateral mastectomy. So in my mind, I was thinking, you know, I, I kind of want to skip that in between part and go straight to yeah. the mastectomy and take, get rid of the chance of it, uh, you know, coming back in another breast or, or something like that. So yeah. Um, in, uh, November of 2021, I had the bilateral mastectomy with reconstruction, um, and the plastic surgeon at women's college hospital. Um, also one of my, my favorite doctors, they've all been so incredible. Um, the most amazing bedside manner and just so supportive. So I had, uh, five sentinel lymph nodes removed, um, and through, um, you know, when they, when they send everything away for diagnosis, mm-hmm. um, I was notified that it was, uh, stage two and grade two, um, invasive ductal carcinoma. Um, that was HER2 negative and estrogen and progesterone positive. Um, so can I just jump in there? Yeah. Is that a, is that a good prognosis? I mean, a lot of people who listen to the podcast have not thankfully been diagnosed yet and hopefully they never will. But the question is, you know, is that a good prognosis, Melissa? Was that good news? Yeah. So they had told me at the time that this was good. And the reason why I was stage two and grade two, it was, I was kind of um, in between the stages um, because of the size of my, um, my lump. So it Mm. wasn't, it wasn't very big. Um, and, um, because of, um, you know, all the other details, they, they said I was kind of like in between stage mm-hmm. and grade. So they said, you know, because we'd caught it so early, this was, you know, a good diagnosis. Um, they did see at the time, you know, um, being HER2 negative and, um, estrogen and progesterone positive was a, a, a good thing. So you can mm-hmm. be, you know, triple negative or triple positive, um, with those. Um, and the other thing as well was during that surgery, uh, they removed five sentinel lymph nodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those came back with microscopic cancer cells, um, uh, which they informed me, um, is actually classes a negative. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, which, which, yeah, which I didn't know because it was so small and in, only in one of the lymph nodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, so then at this point, you know, um, for me, I was like, okay, this is all, this is all good news. I think one of the things I didn't realize when you um, have your sentinel lymph nodes removed is that you then can't uh, do a lot with that arm because um, mm-hmm. you want to ensure that you don't, um, get there's a something I'm blanking on the name of it but things like um you know I can't have blood taken from that arm I can't have the um the uh, blood pressure monitors put on my arm um nothing that will constrict um the flow of blood also you know no hot tubs no saunas um there's a list of things that I didn't know Wow, I didn't know yeah. either because the education in my day 20 odd years ago was not out there. You're very educated and you're a wonderful advocate for sharing awareness, Melissa. Again, I want to thank you for, for sharing the story, but please continue. Yeah, so at this point, um, the team at Women's College Hospital um, referred me to the Oakville Cancer Center um, since it's closer to where we live um, and uh, the visits would be more frequent. Um, so at first we went and we met with, uh, the radiologist 
And um, the radiologist at this point um, gave us the option for radiation, but said in his experience, um, he wouldn't recommend it for a couple of reasons. Um, because the slight benefit that I would get from re receiving the radiation um, was outweighed by the risks associated with getting the radiation. And those oh. risks are due to uh, my age um, yeah. because I was younger. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that I had the ATM gene mutation, um, this can then um, the risks that come from getting radiation would be a lot higher for me. So things like, yeah, things like, you know, um, anything from even like the radiation burn, but more so um, the the risk of the radiation causing additional cancer. Okay. Um, so we, you know, we thought, okay, that makes sense. We're not going to, um, to do radiation. And then um, meeting with the um, oncologist, who is also so, so wonderful at Women's College, or at, sorry, at Oakville uh, Cancer Center, um, we received the results from my oncotype um, test. So this is a test that they did when they um, did the bilateral mastectomy. It gets sent to California um, and you get a score. So my score was 13. So this meant that I was in the lower bracket. Um, oh. So when your oncotype score comes back under 15, it means that chemotherapy is not recommended as long as you're um, you know, um, in addition to hormone therapy. So mm -hmm. it means that you're unlikely to receive any benefit from the chemotherapy that you wouldn't get from the hormone therapy. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was, that was really interesting for me. So in December of 2021, um, I started tamoxifen, which is a hormone therapy. Um, I started Zolodex shots, which uh, is a monthly shot um, in my abdomen that um, ultimately puts my ovaries to sleep. Um, because as I mentioned before, my, my breast cancer is hormone positive. We really want to get rid of all of the hormones from the body, which is what the cancer, you know, likes. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also started Zomita. So Zomita is a bone strengthening IV um, that I would get for every three months. So um, this was kind of the treatment plan. And this is, you know, what was expected to be my treatment plan. And at the time, the oncologist said, you know, knowing that um, we weren't sure if we were going to grow our family more, that, um, you know, we would be on this for two years. Uh, normally with tamoxifen, they say a minimum of five years. But uh, due to my age and the possibility of wanting additional children, the um, research out there is that the benefit from two years or the benefit of five years isn't very different. So the oncologist was aligned that we would do this for two years. And then at that point, we could assess if we, you know, come off of it and assess if we wanted, um, you know, to continue to grow our family. Um, and if we were able to at that, at that point, based on, you know, my age, all those different factors. That makes sense to me. It seems like that everybody was um, giving you lots of information, and you were happy with the information. Um, does this take us almost to the next part of your story, Melissa? It does. Yeah. So I think this yeah. is probably a good spot to um, stop for today because um, this is really the, um, the, my journey with primary breast cancer up until Okay. This. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly can't thank you enough for going into such detail um, about every step that was taken 
with the first part of your breast cancer journey and all the care you received. And obviously, I'm your mom. You're my lovely daughter. So um, when you get emotional, I get emotional. But I think in this day and age, we need to let everybody out there know that if we do feel emotional and we do feel like crying, it's best to let the tears flow. But if if it gets the better of us, you know, it's best to seek help from, you know, a health professional or something like because we don't want to be getting depressed, everything. And I know that is another part of your story, Melissa, the, the extra help you've been receiving. So thank you again. We're really, really grateful because I know that you're an advocate now for sharing lots of awareness, you know, via your story. And the next episode will be coming along next week. And it's... It's very difficult, Melissa, for me to hear you telling your story, even though I know it. So, again, I hope you can have a wonderful day. You're probably going to start work straight away, knowing you. Um, And until the next episode, thank you again and have a wonderful day. Thank you.